This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Now, Anna, I want to jump into your research because I love the work that you're doing, and I want you to tell us a little bit about how you kind of came up with this idea and this paper that has to do with word of mouth and the constraints on word of mouth, and where did the idea come from? How did you, you know, how did you generate that idea? How did you start thinking about the ways that you would research it? So I came into this project uh, from being interested in financial constraints. Uh, this sense that my financial resources are limited and I, I can't afford to buy everything that I want to buy mm-hmm. is such a pervasive feeling mm-hmm. in the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. And I think actually the government shutdown recently yes. really put into public consciousness how many of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And the stats on that say that something like 80%, so four out of five people are living paycheck to wow. paycheck. And this feeling of financial constraint, we know a fair bit about how it changes our judgments and decisions Mm -hmm. across a variety of settings. Mm -hmm. Uh, But something we uh, didn't know was how it affects post-purchase behavior. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, you know, we were thinking that because financial constraints affect how people relate to their money and their expenditures, Mm -hmm. and word of mouth is also about money and expenditures and how you feel about how you've spent your money, there could be some some interesting action there. Very, very cool. And so there was a whole body of research. That's very interesting. Part of what we try to do as academics, Anna, is we try to find kind of something that has not been explored as much, right? So the literature is developing, and people kind of get interested in a particular area. They start studying it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then, you know, there are perhaps other areas that are less explored. And I think your point is a very good point here, Anna, and that is to say that the post-purchase experience is absolutely critical, right? Because it's sort of like the purchase funnel. You have kind of awareness. You have uh, consideration. You have likability or favorability, trial, intent, intend to buy, buy. But then there's this beautiful thing that happens that's really important for marketers, and that is after someone buys the thing, right, what are they going to do afterward? Are they going to become loyal? Are they going to talk about it positively, favorably, word of mouth, all of these things? And so understanding kind of an important connection of the financial constraints, which is what drives consumption, right? Because if you don't have the money, you're not buying anything. So the important psychological perceptions of financial constraints and then trying to map that onto these post-purchase uh, sort of behaviors like word of mouth is a pretty important idea. And when you looked in the literature, there was absolutely nothing there, yes? Uh, that is correct. Interesting. And so what was, how did you formulate a hypothesis? How did you start thinking about the effects? Like what were the previous effects that had been like perhaps overstudied in terms of financial constraints? And how did you then sort of juxtapose that into this post-purchase world to come up with your own sets of ideas to test? Well, actually something that really drew me to this idea is, and, and this is what I think can define a good question, is the relationship could really go either direction. Mm. There was some literature to suggest that people who feel financially constrained, who feel like the, um, their budget is quite tight, mm-hmm. there's reason to believe that they would be more willing to talk about their purchases. Interesting. That okay. this would provide them a sense of validation or oh. um, make them feel better about the fact that they've spent this money through oh, interesting. social support uh-huh. or, or other mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, what we find is evidence for the for the opposite. Okay. That when you feel financially constrained, when you feel that your finances are limited, you don't want to talk about the things that you've purchased. 
Interesting. Uh, so you found the exact, that's a lot of, by the way, listeners, this is called a two-tailed hypothesis. And we in academia love this, right? Because when we're studying something, uh, for us to, quote, have success, you know, one of these hypotheses has to come out, right? The only thing that would screw us up in a two-tailed hypothesis world would be no results at all, right? So, but I love this idea. Uh, and so, and your research finds that just to, to clarify the effect, that when you feel financially constrained you and you have purchased product X, you are less likely to talk about product X. Is that the overall effect? Am I getting that right? Yep, that mm-hmm. is absolutely correct. And we find that people who feel financially constrained are less willing to talk about their products, both online and in person, oh, interesting. to their friends and family, oh, interesting. to people who are near and far. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem to depend on any characteristics of the product, okay. whether it's cheap or expensive, whether it feels like a justified purchase, you know, whether I, mm-hmm. I went out and, and bought something that I really need to have in my household, like mm-hmm. a new frying pan, or, <laughs> or whether it's some frivolous purchase that, you know, is unjustified and, and a, um, you know, I could have done without this. It doesn't depend on uh, whether it was on sale mm-hmm, or not, which mm-hmm. is something that really surprised us. That's very surprising, yeah. Uh, whether it was a good deal or not, it seems like uh, what's what's really happening is that when people feel financially constrained, if I if I get this new watch and I'm constrained, I don't want to tell you about it. Mm-hmm. What's, what I love about this effect is interesting because you have now, because I was going to propose exactly what I think your intuition prior to doing the research uh, seemed to be, Anna. And that is the idea that, well, perhaps there's an effect. Maybe I don't talk to certain folks, certain types of consumers like friends versus strangers or close others versus distant others. You're saying that doesn't matter. You just won't. You don't want to talk about it if you're financially constrained. Yes. Absolutely. And so let me ask you this. You had to, at some point in your research, you had to classify consumers as either financially constrained or not, or more financially constrained and less financially constrained. How did you measure this in the research? So we both measured and manipulated this. Mm -hmm. So in some of our studies, we just asked people to evaluate how financially constrained they feel, Mm -hmm. to what extent do they feel like their spending feels limited, or their ability to spend money is limited. Mm -hmm. And in other studies, we reminded people of their financial constraints. Okay. Uh, So because feeling financially constrained is such a widespread phenomenon, it's something that everyone can, can really access at least on a momentary level. Right. Right. Say, Americas, how about that sailboat? You know, <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if you had that sailboat right yes, now? Yes, yes. You know, uh, even those of us at, at the very top of um, of our financial standing yes. can still feel financially constrained. Yeah, so, it's, in, it's in, you have this upward sort of comparison point. I love that example. Like in trying to manipulate this in my thought process, if I tend to have uh, more, research, more resources, I should say, Anna, than let's say the, the, the average consumer. Uh, you can still trigger that in my mind by presenting me with something that makes it sailing in my mind that there is some other echelon that I'm not at financially, right? Uh, and then that'll have the same effect uh, in terms of like bringing these thoughts to mind that would then drive me to stop talking, right? Absolutely. And so let me ask you this, though, Anna. So why does this have to unpack that a little bit? I totally understood the hypothesis of the reason why you would talk as a way to kind of make yourself feel that you have rationalized that you made a good decision because finances are because resources are so uh, are so scarce for you financially. But why do people shut down 
when they feel financially constrained? Well, this was a big question for us. As you know, it's, it's incredibly important in our discipline mm-hmm. to explain why something is happening. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, we were convinced that it had something to do with how other people see you. Okay. That it's about, you know, I, I don't want these people to judge me for spending my money in this way, so I'm not going to talk oh, about my finances. Oh, interesting. And time and time again, we found that observers made no difference to the effect. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not about fear of judgment. Okay. It's not about right. how other people see you. Right. Because even, sorry to just jump in, Anna, because even because if it were, then that would have predicted that, well, frivolous versus non-frivolous ought to matter in some senses, Absolutely. right? And you didn't find that. Yep. Yep. So you ruled that out, essentially. Yep. yep. And so instead, what we do find is that, you know, feeling financially constrained is an aversive state. Mm -hmm. We don't enjoy feeling this way. And so one of the ways that we protect ourselves from these negative feelings and emotions Mm -hmm. is by avoiding this topic of conversation. That's interesting. So So to put it another way, mm -hmm. I don't want to tell you about this new watch that I got because I don't think it's going to be very enjoyable to talk about it because... I feel like it's going to make me feel worse about my finances. Mm-hmm. If I talk about my watch, I think it's going to make me more likely to feel disappointed in my financial state, mm-hmm. uh, ashamed of my circumstances, mm-hmm. upset or frustrated about where I am financially. And so I just avoid the whole domain. Interesting, interesting. Uh, what I love about this, Anne, is that you've touched on a, a very interesting psychological mechanism here, which is this kind of like a, a cyclical rumination effect, right? So at least in my mind, I feel like I'm, I'm going to forecast that if I keep talking about this, I'm giving that negative emotion, that negative affect, if you will, uh, more energy, more – I'm keeping it going. And so, like I'm upregulating a negative mood in some senses, yes? And so what's cool about that is then so let me so if if the idea was I want to get people to talk uh, when they feel financially constrained, what are some things that the marketers can do to help break that cycle? Well, my main suggestion comes from how people think about how they've spent money. Mm-hmm. Right. So ah, okay. If I can separate out the fact that someone has spent money on an item from the call to word of mouth, this will increase the amount of word of mouth that's generated, particularly for those who feel financially constrained. Mm-hmm. So to give you a, a bit more of a concrete example, if people, uh, you know, if, if I'm still thinking about my watch, but instead I'm thinking about all the events that I'm not going to be late for, or all of, nice. the, you know, all of the meetings gotcha. that I'll show up right on time yep. for, mm-hmm. uh, if I can think about my experience with the product, mm-hmm. Rather than just thinking about it as an expenditure of money, I'm going to be more likely to share with other people. Oh, I see. So if I can, two things. If I, as a market, if I can either f- focus your attention on the positive part of it, those thoughts in terms of the functional utility that's associated with my product, or maybe if I can get you to just perhaps misattribute those negative feelings to other things, right? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Or just, you know, focus, yeah, focus people in on the experience with the product. Americus, you would be amazed how many emails, how many emailed receipts I get <laughs> with the call for word of mouth on the, on the receipt itself. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh-huh. You have spent $79. Tell your friends about your experience. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> exact opposite in what they're trying to, to. They don't. They have. See, these people have to read your research, Anna. <laughs> right? <laughs> very, very cool stuff. Uh, Anna Paley, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It was great to have you, and I hope you'll join us again soon. Thanks for having me, and have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Listeners, if you're interested in learning more about Anna, simply head to fisher.osu.edu. Listeners, if you're enjoying this as a podcast, remember that our show, Marketing Matters, we air live on Sirius XM Channel 132 every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m., and we replay Saturdays at midnight, Sundays 8 to 10 p.m., and Mondays 2 to 4 a.m. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.